0: Tonight we're starting something new. You guys alright with that? Um, those of you who were here the last month and a half, you're probably like, "Yay, <laughs> let's do something new." Um, uh, for the month of September, we there's five Sundays in September. That's unique. Um, so we're doing a five a five week uh, series, um, and we're going to be talking these next few weeks about um, what it looks like to grow here at the Light. And um, some of the um, Core areas of growth And um, My hope is that for each one of you You'll get a sense of A vision for um, What God wants to do In your life in this community And and not only for you But um, you'll have a sense of what God's calling us to together As a church family Um, And so tonight I want to I want to do a few things. I want to cover um, real briefly kind of the overview of this series, some of the key components that we'll be discussing uh, in the coming weeks, and um, and then I want to dive into this first aspect tonight on encountering God. Um, And so um, just so you know, this is something we've been praying to for a while now, um, for the better half of this year. Uh, We've just really felt like God is... um, taking something that we've always cared about, and he's um, been putting more specificity to it. He's given us a little bit more vision for how to get there. And uh, we, as a family, we really care and um, uh, believe in the, the fact that God wants to grow every single one of us in our journey with him and our relationship with him, and that, um, that there's not meant to be any um, bystanders. It's not meant to be anyone just um, sitting there, um, not doing anything with God, and In the fact that He has a purpose and a plan for each one of us that is significant um, in His Son. And that, in fact, He wants to bring us into a greater understanding of that. And um, we believe that here for each one of you. And one of the most rewarding things as your pastor is to, to see that happen. It's to see each of you, um, running in your relationship with God. Um, you know, I, I, um, (laughs) in that way, I just feel like the more that I can give away in the sense of the more that, um, that I can see others begin to be activated in and begin to step into and begin to participate in, in the life of this church, the better, um, this is far from a one-person show. This is far from a uh, five-person show. Um, we really believe that every single one of you has a unique, amazing purpose, not only here, but in the kingdom, in the family of God. And so um, we're going to be talking about some of that over these next few weeks, and I just want to invite you to, to just get ready, because I believe that um, there are going to be new opportunities that... Um, that, um, are going to shift some paradigms that are going to supersede, um, exceed your expectations of, of who God is, of, of what he wants with your life, of, um, who you are in him. And, uh, I just, I know it's going to be exciting, but I also know it's going to require a lot of us. And what I mean by that is I just believe it's going to require us to, to believe that it's true. I think a lot of the journey with with God, a lot of the, the, the gospel is us just coming to terms with how um, exceedingly good God is. <laughs> I say this a lot, and if you're new, you're going to hear it, so we might as well start now. Um, God is way better than we think. Thanks. He's way better than we think, and that's not just something we say. It's something we believe. It's something that... Um, The lives in this community have been marked by and uh, I just every time I feel like I've kind of gotten to the ceiling of his goodness he just knocks the roof off again and so um, just get ready for that get ready for that Um, and and one of the things that's going to happen as God challenges you with new levels of his goodness new levels of his love because uh, you know Paul prayed this prayer for the church. He said that, that you would know the, the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of God. Um, really, that it's, that it's exceedingly endless. Um, and so that means whenever we think we reach the border, there's more. Um, and when that happens, it actually requires something of it. It requires us to, to say, God, I, I didn't realize it, but but I realize you're bringing me into more. I thought I, I had to figure it out. I thought... I had enough faith for where you wanted to take me, now I'm realizing I don't, so how would you help me? Um, So when you get to that place, not if, but when you get to that place, I just want to encourage you and invite you um, to to not be discouraged, but to realize that's actually um, God growing you. It's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be a little scary, it's going to be unfamiliar. Those are all good things, actually. And the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter for, the reason, for a reason. Because when you, you're meant to be in an uncomfortable situation so that you can be comforted by the Holy Spirit, who is the Comforter. Okay? <laughs> so not, what is this crazy thing happening? He's like, i prepared you for this and I've given you a helper, my Holy Spirit, to take you through it. Alright. So tonight, um, I want to start with this. This is a definition of discipleship that we've... Um, It's kind of a working definition here And I want to start with that Because it's going to really When we talk about growth, that's what we're talking about We're talking about what it means to be followers of Jesus Together um, And what it means to become more like Him And so here at the Light Church We believe that discipleship Is specifically cultivating A supernatural lifestyle Where sons and daughters are empowered To be transformed Into Christ's likeness There it is it's like we, we actually prepared for this moment. <laughs> uh, I want to highlight a few things about this. First of all, supernatural. Say it with me. Supernatural. Supernatural. <laughs> all right, that's, that's good. I like participation. It's supernatural. First of all, when you encounter God, it's going to be Supernatural. But not only that, when you encounter a God who's supernatural, something of his supernatural life becomes part of yours. The very idea that when Jesus left, he told his disciples, I'm sending a helper. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And that's why you can take heart. That's why it's actually better that I go. And he said, I'm going to give you. My spirit and is going to dwell in you That's supernatural That is the foundation of Life with God now And so it actually requires something of us. It requires us to Begin to think of our lives that way We're, not, we're no longer just Human beings um, Yes we are human beings But we're human beings now With the presence of God Partnered with us Dwelling with us And among us and in us and through us That's supernatural. That's going to take a little bit of faith to to believe because we're pretty familiar with ourselves by ourselves, but God's like, you're not by yourself anymore. So it's supernatural. Um, Sons and daughters, that's what it means to be a family. God has brought us into his family, and we are being empowered. That is the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to be more like Jesus. This is not... um, The discipleship journey is not a journey of drudgery. It's not a journey of striving to become something that feels impossible to actually obtain. The discipleship journey is a journey of letting God do what only God can do in and through you. So it's, it's supernatural because of God. It's empowered by God. And God brings about the very process of you and I becoming more like him. It's kind of like he's all in on this thing. (laughs) Are you guys with me? All right. So that's discipleship. So specifically, um, these next few weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, four key areas uh, of that journey um, that we are invested in and that God is invested in um, for your life. Um, And I want to highlight those real quick. Those four areas are encounter, equip, engage, and expand, which is, there they are. You can read them. Encounter God's love and his presence. Equip the church to live like Jesus. Engage as the the church in the world and expand God's kingdom and his family. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into encounter because I'm I'm running a little bit behind. Um, So let's just jump into that one tonight. You're going to hear the other ones in the coming weeks, but um, I want to talk tonight about encountering God. And um, in that way, when we talk about growth with Him, I believe um, none of those other areas will make sense until we encounter God. And not just encounter Him, because I believe that, in fact, um, encounter with God is something that um, is happening more than we realize not only in our lives, but in the lives of people around us, in the lives of people that don't even know him yet. Um, Even creation is an encounter with God. Do you realize that? The, The world that we live in and the beauty of the world that we live in is an encounter with God. Just people don't really see it that way. But actually, when you look at it in scripture, creation is one big encounter with the creator. So it's actually happening all the time. Um... But one of the things that we need is the ability to see that. And not only that, but there is this key moment of encounter that is um, unlike any other. And it's the moment where our eyes are open to who God is and to relationship with him. And that's what Jesus came for. He came so that we would know God as our father. And so that we would actually be brought into his family. So that is actually the foundational encounter that has to happen for any of this other stuff to make sense. For growth to make sense. um, For equipping, engaging in the world, expanding God's kingdom. For any of that to make sense, we have to have an encounter where we experience the love of God that welcomes, welcomes us into the family of God. And that's why Jesus came, so that we would know God that way, so that we would know Jesus as our Savior, so that we would know the Holy Spirit as God dwelling with us and in us and among us. So, um, encounter is the fundamental starting place for journey with God. And he is, um, in fact, in the process of encountering humanity, Um, But that key moment is a moment that we want to focus on, that moment of experiencing God in relationship with Him, coming to terms of what He's done through His Son. Um, I want to focus on this key, uh, this core truth of encounter tonight. And, And each one of these pieces that we talk about as it relates to growth Um, I think they each say something about God they they say multiple things, but in fact They say something deep about who God is about his heart and his intentions And so each week as we focus on this, that's where I really want to focus our time It's not just this strategy for growing here, but I want to focus on the very heart of God himself um, and why Um, And who he is and what he's done and the truth about um, each of these things. And so when it comes to encounter, this is what I believe. And this is what I believe that scripture shows us over and over and over again. And I believe that if we have this core understanding about God, it will change our relationship with God in a dramatically good way. I believe this. I believe God wants encounter more than we ever could. I know that doesn't that doesn't seem that complicated, does it? It's really not, but I, I think this is so important for us to hear. God wants you to encounter Him. God wants you to know Him. God wants you to discover. His goodness more than you ever could, and I realize even as I say that, perhaps for some in the room, that's hard to accept. I believe that there are moments where we get frustrated by the feeling that God is far off. There are moments where we get frustrated. We've been we've been discouraged and confused by the sense that. If God was so invested in this relationship, why does it feel like I can't connect with him? Why does it feel like I'm not hearing from him? All of those things. And so even as I say that, I realize it may challenge the hearts of some in this room. Um, in fact, I believe we've all encountered, even though this is true, we've all encountered moments and seasons where it feels like God is hard to connect with. But I believe when you look at what is fundamental in scripture And when you look at what is fundamental Through the life of Jesus God is way more invested in us knowing him Than we could ever be And that's really good news And I think in fact it needs to be The starting place for accounting Because if you begin to believe this Despite what um, Even your history with God has been like Or maybe your lack of history with God If you begin to believe this I I believe that what will begin to happen Is you'll begin to see More of God around you More of what's already there I believe you'll begin To attach your your Expectation And your, um, your belief To this truth in a way That will begin to open up Pathways to encounter God more than you ever have everything with me. So I, I believe in that way this is fundamental. It's fundamental that we know that God is not far off, He's not distant, He's not busy, He in fact is engaged and He's all in on you knowing Him. He's all in on you knowing Him. How do we how do we know that? We're gonna cover that just a little bit here. Um In fact, let's let's just go to um I want to go ahead and read this Luke fifteen. I wasn't gonna um, read this tonight, but then we sang, we sang that song, "Reckless Love," and um, I'm gonna actually start. I'm gonna start in the beginning of Luke fifteen. Um, Luke fifteen. There's these three parables, and parables are. Um, stories that Jesus would tell, and and stories that illustrated something about God, about um, humanity, about our interaction and relationship with him. And uh, he tells these three stories in succession here, and each one of them, I think, speak to this very truth that God is in pursuit of each one of us. And so I want to just go ahead and read, starting in uh, verse 1. He says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That right there was just confusing to them. Jesus sitting with the people that they thought he should sit with. He says, then Jesus told them this parable. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Goes on to say. Or suppose, because I imagine at this point they're kind of looking at him, sort of confused. <laughs> this is okay, another story. Let's try it again. <laughs> another story. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found a lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. They're still looking confused. (laughs) So just said, okay, one more. A little bit longer, more involved, but you'll like it, I promise. (laughs) Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. That was no big, that was that was no small decision. It goes on to say, Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in the I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. And I just want to stop right there for a second. Because in the two previous parables, he says, So it is uh, in heaven with one sinner who repents. And and in fact, then you see this kind of moment here in this third parable of, um, of someone coming to terms with their mistakes of choosing and deciding they're going to repent. He's going to, he's going to swallow his pride. He's going to acknowledge what he's done wrong. And, and hopefully, hopefully the result of that will end up back in his father's house um, as a servant. Okay, So he's got his moment of repentance is on the way. He's already planned out what he's going to say to the father in apology um, so that hopefully he can be back into his house. Let's read on. It says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I just wonder if he was so set on um, what he needed to do here, that he wasn't um, uh, taken up in the fact that of what his dad just did in, in running out to him. I don't know if you know this, but um, this part of the story would have been very controversial to those who have heard it in the sense that fathers did not run. Dignified fathers did not run um, anywhere. And in fact, to get there, he probably would have had to hike up his robe, <laughs> which was just another expression of just becoming um, undone in that culture. And so, imagine being the son, and you're 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 making your way back, but you meet the father sooner than you plan to, <laughs> because your dad is elated. You you would think that would kind of. Create a different response, but I just imagine he was so focused on and given so much thought to what he had to do um, that here he was, his dad was finally in front of him, and so he, you know, he pulled out this piece of paper and, <laughs> "Dear Dad, I'm sorry, I've sinned against heaven and against you." But it's worth noting that it's in fact not his apology that restores this relationship. It is important that. Um, the son turns and comes home, but the father, the father is not waiting for the apology to pour out his love on the son. The father actually greets him with his love before the son ever gets to that moment. And I think it's this powerful picture of the heart of God. That's what this story is about. It's not. It's actually not about the son more than anything. It's about the father. It's about the father who is, is so filled with love and compassion and kindness and goodness that um, even when the son is, is a long way off, he goes after him. It's about the love of a father that's so good that when the son says, I hate you, I wish you were dead, because that's what he was essentially saying by asking for his inheritance ahead of time. The father says, Okay. Because in love, love requires choice. And I think that's an important aspect of this conversation for us. God is in pursuit of all of us, but he will not force himself upon us. Do you realize that? So actually, you have a part to play in this, too. It's not just, okay, I got to (laughs) surrender. I give up. Um, No, it's actually, God, I believe, and I say yes to what you want to do. God, I believe, and I say yes to the pursuit of me by you. God, I I believe, and I say yes to the fact that you would want me. And if you've ever done that, you realize that in that moment, God was already waiting. God was already already waiting. In his, in his patience and in his kindness and in his mercy, he was waiting for that moment, for you to come to that place to realize that you needed him. I don't know about you, but I, I still remember that moment. I still remember like it was yesterday, the moment where God found me. The moment where I realized that he was in fact looking for me for a long time. I was, um, I was in between my junior and senior year of college, and uh, I was at a low point. I was at a really low point. And um, I was sitting in a church for the first time in five or six years. I was there for the wrong reasons. I wasn't there to encounter God. I was there for something else. I was there because I was invited. I was there because I wanted friendships. I was there because I I wanted people in my life. I was lonely. I wasn't there to encounter God. But he met me. (laughs) And in fact, you know, this is why I, I, I don't always worry about people not getting something from the message, because I, I didn't know I don't remember a word of what the pastor said that night. So if you don't remember a word of what I said tonight, that that's fine. But I want you to encounter God. <laughs> All I remember in fact of the service itself was the lady in front of me doing spins. And I thought that was the craziest thing. I just thought, okay, I, I don't think there's room in worship for ballet. If you like ballet? I'm sorry (laughs) I just thought it was weird I'm like okay (laughs) I'm sitting there and I'm just waiting for things to end I'm waiting for the service to end so we can go home and you know they were were praying something so the customary thing is bow your head close your eyes Um, and that's that's what I would do I was just sitting there and the presence of God met me and if, if you don't know what that's like um, neither did I until it happened and when it happens you'll know and, and and that's what it was like I, I i just i was I was having an encounter that I had never had before and I knew it was God and I'm just sitting there and in a, in a matter of just a few minutes god started speaking these things into my life that' um, we're, we're, um words of truth into Things that have been great mystery to me, things that have been so puzzling to me, like like why the relationships um, in my family weren't what they what I wanted them to be. Why I wasn't close with, with my parents. Why I wasn't close with my siblings. And and God just in kindness, but in um, in truth, said it's because of you. It's because of things that you've done. And in that moment, um, I was just humbled. And I, and, I, and I realized I was in the presence of God. And uh, that was a real paradigm shift because before that moment, I I, I had actually developed the belief that I don't think God is real. So I was kind of struggling with coming to terms with the reality of that experience. But I opened my eyes and, and God said this to me as I looked down at my feet. He said, your feet can take you wherever you want to go. And I, and I felt... For the first time ever, the invitation of God to say, will you follow me? Will you come with me? Will you stop doing this on your own? And I was so broken, I was so low that I said, okay, God, uh, <laughs> you have my yes, and I don't even know what that means, but you have it. And I I, I did say this to him. I said, and by the way, this is a very bad time. He <laughs> said, God, I'm about to go back to college for my senior year, in case you didn't know that already, Um, and this is kind of that time, they don't really like you there, I go to art school, (laughs) Um, I I didn't realize it, but there were some people there that liked me. I just just didn't know it yet, Um, and I walked out that room that night different, And, and that's what will happen, that's what happens when we encounter God, something changed. Something changes. And that's why, whether it's that first moment of giving our life to Him and saying yes to um, who He is and surrendering to that, or or it's the hundredth time and you encounter Him again, it's why we need that. It's because when we encounter God, something changes for the better. When we encounter God, something happens. And I want that for every single one of you. He wants that for you. Do you want that? Um, when you look at scripture, you see it over and over and over again. God pursuing people. God interrupting their lives in, 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 a, in an amazing and marvelous way. And then and embracing that interruption. That's what God wants for you. You see it not only in this parable, you see it again and again and again. You see it, uh, there's a story of a man who's um, been paralyzed for 30 years. And he's, he's laying by a pole and, and he's, he's unable to get to the water, which is a pretty big deal because um, as, as the story had it, um, whoever could get to the water first when the water stirred would be healed. And so this man's been laying there for all this time, but he's unable to get to where he needs to be to get his healing. So it's pretty significant that in that place, Jesus would find him. And as he's trying to tell Jesus all of the ins and outs of 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 his story and and, and why he should feel sorry for him because he can't get to the pool, Jesus says, um, can I ask you this question? Do you, do you want to be well, and if so, then get up. Jesus finds the man and heals the man when the man can't heal himself. That's what God does when he pursues us. He does a work in our heart and our lives that we can't do ourselves. I like the story of Zacchaeus partly because he was a man of small stature, and I just I just appreciate the fact that Jesus loves short people. Um, I like to say I'm average height. That's what I remind my wife, who's slightly taller than me. And that's usually when she reminds me of that. Zacchaeus was not only a short man, he was a tax collector. So he was not very popular. (laughs) People look down upon him. Yes, it's true. Um, David would be happy about that right now. Uh, But Jesus is on his way. And so Zacchaeus, he's like, you know, I I credit Zacchaeus. He's like, I I need to see this guy. So he climbs up in a tree. But if if that's all that Zacchaeus did, all he would have gotten that day was a glimpse of Jesus passing by. And that might have been worth something. But you realize that, that as Jesus passes by, it was as if he was waiting for Zacchaeus. Because while Zacchaeus is waiting for him, Jesus turns to him, and to his surprise, he knows his name. Zacchaeus, hey, <laughs> I see you up there. What you doing later today? Because I'm coming over. I love that, because Jesus wasn't like, hey, you got, you got some time? Can you fit me into your schedule? He's like, hey, Zacchaeus, clear your schedule. I'm coming over. We're going to have lunch. That's God. That's the pursuing heart of God that was waiting for that moment. He's like, oh, this is going to be so good. I'm going to surprise is today. He doesn't even know that I know him, but I do. I was there, actually, when he was created. It just goes on and on. The woman at the well of the story, the Samaritan woman, because it was not just a woman, but a people who had been passed over. It was a people that 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 God's people believed that God didn't, in fact, even care about. And so when Jesus says, hey, we're going through Samaria today, uh, his disciples would have been completely confused. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, we can go the longer route. It's, it's really not. We don't have to be to where we need to be until a little bit later. Just to know we're going through Samaria. And in the middle of a people who... Um, many thought were forgotten or rejected by God, there was a woman who even in her own community had been rejected and forgotten. And that's why she was at this well in the middle of the day, in in the hottest part of the day, because she didn't want to be at this community gathering spot when other people would be present. And in that moment, with that woman, the Messiah stops for a drink. Because he wasn't Thirsty, but he wanted to give her life. And so while the disciples were off getting food, she has an encounter with the living God. And it took her a little bit of time to realize it, and it usually does for us. But when she does, something changes, and people need to know about it. And in fact, it says that many in Samaria came to know him because of her testimony. A people who have been passed over, a woman who has been passed over. Jesus comes to her, and in coming to her, He comes to them. And it's an amazing picture of a God who pursues and pursues and pursues—not just you, not just me, but even those who have been forgotten, those that people want nothing to do with. That's the God that we're talking about. I want to close. I want to close in prayer, and I want to—I want to close by reading the prayer. And it's a prayer for what we're talking about. And you can go ahead and close your eyes. Um, it's a prayer for deeper encounter with God. It's a prayer for God to do what he wants to do in our lives. For the ability for us to receive it. Paul, Paul prays this. In the first chapter, he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. God, that is my prayer. That is our prayer together today. And we would be a people who know you, And not only that, that we will be a people who are coming to know you in a deeper way. That we will be a people who have encountered your love, and we will be a people who are encountering your love. That we will be a people who love you and know what it means to love you. And a people who are falling deeper and deeper into love with you. And so, God, we acknowledge that it's you. It's you that have to do that work in our hearts and our lives. It's you who bring the wisdom. It's you who brings revelation. It's you that opens the eyes of our hearts so that we can see you for who you are here with us, among us, so that we can respond to you. And so, God, that is my prayer, that in this moment even, As you are speaking, God, that we would believe you and that we would receive what you have for us today and in the days ahead. And I pray that we would attach our faith to that. God, wherever there's been lowered expectations, God, I pray that we would raise our expectations to the truth that says, God, you are after us. And when you find us, we will be changed something good of you will be deposited in us and will change us. And so, God, we are believing not only that we can be encountered by you, that we can encounter you, but that when we do, something of you will will rub off on us in a way that leaves us different and that we can be progressively growing in that, that we don't have to be stuck, that we don't have to be Slaves to an old way of living, an old way of thinking, an old way of doing things. We can be changed. We can be different, and that can be our new norm. And so God, I pray that. I pray that encounter with you would be our norm. And I pray that with that, God, that the healing and the wholeness, and the freedom, and the forgiveness, and the love that you want to bring will be our norm. In Jesus' name.